Welcome. I'm happy to have you join us on the Industry Leaders podcast series. Today, I'm really thrilled to have Brad Denning, Advisory Services Principal for PWC, uh, one of our strategic partners and somebody we're working really closely with in the industry around a number of different areas. So welcome, Brad. Thanks, Denise. I'm very happy to be here. Why don't you give just a little bit of background on yourself about PWC and our strategic partnership, Brad? Oh, happy to. Thank you. So I've been with PwC since 2010. I came over as part of an acquisition from another consulting firm, and that's where I really dipped my toes into the distribution management waters as I was engaged with a large transformation with a PNC carrier in the early 2000s. And I spent most of my time dabbling with distribution management challenges and opportunities since that time. Of interest is in 2014, through a combination of forces, there was a, a fairly significant uptick in activity in the space, both internal and external forces. And, and so since that time, going back now seven years, I've spent almost all of my time in the distribution management space. Within PwC, our insurance, our insurance advisory practice, uh, we service clients across all lines of business. I lead our distribution management practice, which comprises of both onshore and, and offshore experts and subject matter specialists that focus all of their time on distribution management for insurance carriers. So it's an exciting place to be, and we've got a lot of thought leadership in the space and excited to talk to you about it today. Great. Well, we're really looking forward to a lot of good things from our uh, partnership. And, you know, um, as I look at what's really happening in the market and the different market forces, both strategically and operationally, you know, we're really rapidly changing uh, kind of the dynamics of what distribution is all about for insurance, both the PNC and the LNA side. You know, on the LNA side, we've had multi-channel for, for quite a long time, but on the PNC side, it's really gravitating rapidly into that multi-channel world. And I think finally, uh, carriers are really beginning to see that how they operate their distribution management operations is really going to be crucial strategically uh, for their future growth. And so what are you seeing from a market forces perspective, Brad? Interesting, interesting question, Denise. I think about the forces, and I'll break them down into, into four. So the first force that's driving a lot of these changes, I think, is the, is the legacy system waxy buildup, as we call it, which is distribution management systems and functions have not really been changed for years. Many of our, our carriers have homegrown systems that are you know, 10 plus years old cobbled together and integrated with other legacy systems, making infrastructure a challenge. And, and that waxy buildup results in a lack of flexibility in their solutions, a lack of scalability. And, you know, quite frankly, those older systems are not designed for the ever changing needs that we're seeing as it pertains to the producers. So that's, that's one. Uh, secondly, and tied to that, the changing dynamics of the workforce and the workforce of the future are really impacting distribution management. Many of our, our clients have very, very specialized resources that have been working in this space for years and years. And, and as the workforce in the insurance sector turns over, 
a lot of our carriers are losing some of these subject matter specialists that have operated in the space for their entire career. And without the dynamic and modern system platforms to be able to handle a lot of the functionality and needs within the space, there's a problem there. That's forcing uh, a lot of change. The third force that we see is external, and that is the innovation and disruption by third-party carriers, particularly in the insurtech space. That is one of the things that I think has spawned a lot of activity in the space since 2014 with the diversification of options in the space for carriers to look for. The legacy platform is nimble, and therefore a lot of innovation has occurred to take advantage of that. Lastly, the last force that I think is really driving a lot of change here is, is experience. You know, several years ago, I think the insurance sector as a whole embraced the concept of customer experience. And, and many of our clients went down a path of focusing on customer experience and in many cases ignored the producer as a customer. And we're seeing a very drastic shift, particularly during the COVID times of focusing on the producer experience and these legacy distribution management solutions that many carriers have, again, are not well-equipped to deal with the ever-changing needs of the producer. So those are the four things that I see, Denise, really driving a lot of the focus on insurance distribution operations. At the same time, think your point there at the end, really that experience for the distributor, it really becomes, uh, has heightened that whole digital kind of view as to what do you need to do digitally to really be able to enable and support that distributor. And then I think the other piece that's really kind of coming on that we'll talk about is, is data, uh, data and analytics, and how can you effectively use that, particularly as the space where there's um, agents and agencies are consolidating. Uh, we've got retirements going on there, and we're, gonna, we're seeing a much more competitive landscape for distribution than maybe what we've seen in the last 10 years. And that really forces people to kind of step back and kind of look at that from a strategy standpoint, agree? Oh, completely agree. But particularly on the on the data needs, similar to the experience point I made earlier, I think we'd all agree that if we were to ask many of our, our customers in the insurance sector, how mature is your data and analytics function within your enterprise? Many would say eh, it's okay, but has room for improvement. And when you think about data and analytics in the producer data space, I, I can tell you that it's at its nascent stages, right? Particularly yep. with firms that don't have a modern system. They're, they're trying to keep the lights on and keep their producers happy. They haven't even tapped into the power of data to service their end customers and provide better experiences for their producers. And that really gets into an area that we've, it's been fun collaborating with you and the team uh, with regard to what, what we've talked about is a distribution management maturity model and really kind of defining five different phases of maturity that insurers can assess themselves at today, but also determine where they need to be as they kind of look at their overall business strategy. So I wanted to kind of talk about that five phases of that maturity model and I thought maybe for the first three phases, which really established kind of a base foundation, you know, around operations, technology, the distributor and the insurer. So let's talk about chaos first. Del, what do we mean by chaos in that first phase? 
Yeah, that's a that's a great word, but I think it it sums up that phase uh, accurately. So as as we started thinking about putting together a maturity model internally, we tried to create a easy to digest model that would help our carriers think about not only where do they fall currently, but more importantly, where do they want to be and thinking more holistically. Because as, as you know, Denise, when we talk to many of our clients, they come at distribution management transformation or challenges very often in a siloed fashion. So IT may be driving a decision because they're having difficulties with a legacy uh, solution. The business may get involved because they're unhappy with the experience they can provide their end distribution uh, resources and then other forces. And so what we, what we tried to pull together is a holistic model that helps carriers think through all the different aspects of distribution management and determine not only where they are, but where they want to be. So as we look at chaos, chaos is unfortunately quite prevalent in the industry right now. And I would characterize it as a lot of heroes working a lot of hours to cobble things together in a very manual fashion. So if you think of biz ops, tech, distribution, or the carriers themselves, very, very manual. And that's really sums up how I think about chaos. You know, you made the point um, earlier that many of the systems are legacy of at least 10 years old. I think I think we see in the industry, this has been an area that probably hasn't been touched for probably 20 years. And it's been a cobbled set of in-house grown, or it might be spreadsheets, a lot of different things make it a cobbled mess to your point. Absolutely. And if you think about the producers, front office, back office, they're, they've all experienced the digital transformation in the world in the last 10 years. And more and more, just like you and I are expecting everything that they do online or business-wise to be easy. They compare everything to Amazon and Apple and Spotify and ease of doing business. And as you said, many of our carriers haven't touched this space in, in many, many years. And it is the opposite experience of what we just described with some of those other non-industry players. So this, the second phase of maturity is developing operational efficiency at that focus on, I guess, um, that efficiency focus. So let's talk about that a little bit, kind of give a, a perspective on that, Brad. Yeah, absolutely. Operational efficiency is usually where carriers move after they've got fed up with chaos. It's the easiest thing to focus on for carriers, which is disrupting or fixing rather the inefficiency in their operations. And that's where modern systems can help play a prominent role as they help address a lot of the manual processes, automate a lot of processes, start thinking about data issues, looking about providing digital experience to their end producers. And I think more importantly, starting to work with their leadership to get out of constantly putting out fires and focus more on running the business. So it's a logical step to move out of firefighting mode in the chaos stage, which is stage one, and really focus on, okay, let's get our house in order. Let's focus on not putting out fires all the time. And that's how we think about operational efficiency. And we're seeing a tremendous 
momentum in the industry right now in areas one and two? I think what's interesting about areas one and two is that one definitely, and two is just kind of beginning to, to address some of the issues, not only has an impact on your existing uh, distributors and agents that are selling business for you, but it impacts your ability to really kind of expand into some of these newer channels, like you mentioned from InsureTech. And I think that gets into, you know, the third distinct phase where efficiency is achieved and you're now able to have a foundation that you can really begin to do some expansion and do some additional things that maybe you were limited at being able to do because you were so manual and it was such a burden by the legacy. Comments, Brad? Interesting perspective. And I, and I agree, Denise. And, and I would argue up until we started thinking through this maturity curve that many carriers would say that the maturity model actually stopped at level three. You would just start with chaos, Funny. start fixing it, and then you'd, you'd get that fix and go, whew, and, and sit back and relax because you've, you've achieved that thing. And I think what, what you pointed out, I agree with, which is that's not the time to rest. That's the, that's the time to start thinking about taking advantage of the stability that you've achieved through your transformation and thinking about future opportunities and getting ahead of the puck. Operational efficiency just means you've put out the fires and you've built a really strong foundation to test and learn and think about how you can become more effective in servicing not only your end customers and policyholders, but also your producers and really being targeted on how you want to move forward. So the maturity curve, as you know, and many of our carriers have so much pain and, and spend associated with their, their chaotic current state, then when they get that efficiency and the implementation of the solution is done, they step back and say, oh, I'm going to take a, a deep breath here because I'm ready to, to take advantage of the fact that I put out the fires. And, and what we're saying is you need to take a, take a step back for sure, but think about where do you go from there? Because it's, it's definitely not the end state and it's definitely not taking advantage of what the modern platforms in the marketplace can do for you. It's really just the foundation to really do bigger and greater things. Absolutely. So that kind of gets into the last two phases where I think we are beginning to see over the course of the next few years, we will see how distribution leaders are really kind of uh, de redefining themselves. I think we'll see a, a break apart of real leaders in the industry from a distribution standpoint versus those that are operationally efficient but they're not really breaking out and they may not be the organization that some distributors want to do business with. And the fourth phase of this maturity model, it's really about anticipating customer needs. Let's talk about that, kind of give your perspective on that and how that begins to kind of separate the shaft, I guess, is, is really a yeah. great way to put it. Sure. I think a lot of that stage four is tied to a point you made earlier, Denise, about the growing importance of data. Until you have the foundation built, it's really tough to take advantage of the producer data that you're going to be acquiring through your transformations. And when you have clean data, good data that's easily accessible, and you start leveraging that with your enterprise function and data and analytics, you open up a whole suite of capabilities that I think carriers are, are scratching the surface on. And you can't do that unless you have the foundation. So when I think about anticipating customer needs, it's really thinking through points that you made, Denise, around 
providing an, an experience to your producers that make them want to do business with you because it's easy, it's seamless, and it differentiates you from the other carriers. And that is a going to be an edge as carriers look for more growth. If you think about technology, again, that goes back to just having good data and being able to leverage that data and allow the people that want access to that data to have the access. And when you take away the noise from your operations, because you put out those fires, that's when you can quickly flex into taking advantage of when the business and leadership says, I want to flex into a new distribution channel, or I want to create some disruption or proactively service folks. That's where you're getting ahead of things as opposed to reacting to market forces. It's a very exciting stage that I'm pretty confident we don't have many clients or carriers operating in that world. I think they all aspire to be there, but I don't know of many that are there yet. I see it as really a shift from being reactive to proactive in that Mm -hmm. we've often been reactive to the, the end customer as to, you know, they're, they're wanting to buy insurance and we react to them placing in an inquiry either directly to the distributor or through the insurance company that we pass on to that distributor. Mm-hmm. Now we can begin to get into a scenario where we're anticipating that those customer needs, because we understand more about that ultimate customer and we can pass that information on to the distributor that they can be more proactively engaging them and helping them to meet their risk management needs on a broader level. And that becomes a real value. And really, ultimately, what we as an industry have really wanted to do is really kind of uh, protect people or their assets in a really proactive way. Mm -hmm. It really kind of shifts the model completely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely shifts, for sure. So when we go to the the phase five, which is where we begin to bring in predictive analytics and AI, that too is, is kind of like phase that really begins to kind of separate uh, real leaders from it. What really makes the difference there, Brad? Talk about that phase. Yeah, our, our stage five, that end state, that nirvana state is when you are really looking forward. You are, are truly taking data-based decisions across all of your decision-making. Everything is linked. You're thinking about studying the data to figure out how to penetrate new channels, identify new producers, you're looking at new services or tapping into new or or growing ecosystems because you have the data and the nimbleness internally to do so. I think what's interesting about stage five that's worth pointing out, Denise, is if you think about distribution management in a vacuum and carriers thinking about, well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to get there. The challenge is you have to incorporate that maturity at at level five with the overall enterprise. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's pretty evident, but worth talking about, if if you have a really, really robust data and analytics capability built into your distribution management function, that only gets you so far, because if the rest of the organization is still way behind in terms of your analytical capabilities, you're not tapping into the full power of the data that you have in hand. Same thing in terms of your your business operations, et cetera. It has to be tied into the enterprise level. And so as you think through the maturity growth, yeah, stage five is absolutely where we would hope our carriers aspire to be, but that has to be entwined with your overall corporate strategy to make sure you don't get ahead of your skis too far 
and can't take advantage of all of the capabilities that you've built in-house. Great point. So having worked with so many carriers across both PNC and, and LNA uh, market segments, and they have different kinds of channels, mm-hmm. where do you see both the PNC segment and the LNA segment as it relates to this maturity model? And where do you think in general, most insurers are at? Sure. Great question. I think it's, it's worth distinguishing between the, the PNC and, and the life and annuity carriers. I think the, the PNC carriers, because the, the model is a little bit simpler because of the product mix, are mostly operating in that level two, poking into level three stage at this point. And I say that because they're not at level four or five because they don't have those modern systems and they're still dealing with some of those forces that we've had in the past, but there hasn't been enough disruption yet to push them to force them into four and five. We do see fair number in that current state chaos section, but I'd I'd say the majority of them are are stuck between one and three. On the life side, that one's a lot more interesting. I see most of our carriers are stuck in in one and two. For, For the carriers that are going to be hopefully listening to the podcast, it's worth pointing out, we say that when we think holistically about the maturity model, right, Denise? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not just your system. It's not just the way you service your producers. It's not just the way you're linked to your leadership strategy on digital, for example. We look holistically. And when you look holistically, that's where I think most people are farther left than they think. So there's a lot of uh, catch up to do that carriers have to do to try to get at least at a foundational level of level three before they kind of begin to kind of accelerate into potential, you know, a four or a five. They have a challenge sometimes to be able to kind of position that within the organization. What's the advice that you would give them, Brad? A couple things. I, I think one is, is looking at the maturity curve and thinking holistically and agreeing on where you are is important to understand, are you truly where you think you are after looking through kind of the holistic model that we've pulled together? That grounds the enterprise in a current state. From there, you really need to think about where do you want to be and what's realistic to get there. I would advise like any other maturity curve, you're never going to shoot for five in a rapid time frame. It just doesn't make sense. But certainly what I would encourage carriers to think about is after you take that hard look is determining where you need to be and how much change is going to be incurred because of that. And many organizations, as as you pointed out, Denise, when you think about distribution management, that spans many operational functions within our carriers. So you have our producer management, technology, licensing appointments, et cetera. There's, there's a, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And so when you look at things holistically and identify what the pain points are, and then what are the quick wins uh, that can help you move from one to two to three? And what are the big bets? And how capable is your organization moving there? And I think the easiest one to point out there, Denise, is around experience. We've been seeing a lot of focus on producer experience but not a lot of carriers have a, a champion on the business side that is holding the torch that's saying, this is, this is what I want to do for the producer experience. And without that champion, without that leader 
changing your producer experience is difficult. There's a lot of parties involved. And so making sure everybody's on board and focused on where you want to be and really looking at change management, that's critical to getting any type of transformation up the maturity curve started. So as we kind of look out to the future, the whole landscape that we see, we're going to be in a world where there's going to be a real competition for the best agents and distributors out there with Mm -hmm. the consolidation that we talked about. But there's also going to be a competition to be able to attract new channels and be able to support those new channels because customers are going to want to buy in different places, particularly this younger generation. Would you give to the audience? With regard to tying that back to the maturity model, thinking about that bigger picture, even longer term, would that be another incentive to kind of begin to think about where you need to be? Yes. If you think about the workforce of the future, regardless of what industry you're in, it's changing and it's changing dramatically. And if you think about the traditional carrier distribution model, it's changed so much over the past five years, and it's only going to change more. If you think of your distribution model for life and annuities and it, your traditional boots on the street, let's, we need our agents to sell more product face-to-face. The agent model and the agent demographics on the life and annuity side is aging rapidly. To your point earlier, Denise, that's changing. So carriers are looking to get younger and younger with their producers and think differently about how to get best athlete type producers into their Uh ecosystem. Those younger agents are going to demand things differently. Uh And if you as a carrier can't provide them the experience that they want, whether that's technology or ease of doing business or product mix or incentivization or compensation, they will find a way to work with the carriers that satisfy that need. So yep. if carriers aren't thinking about that, they're going to be in trouble and, and playing catch up for a very long time. Well, we often talk about a multi-channel world and we know that there's increasingly direct channels for some of the simpler products. Embedded insurance will be emerging. A lot of different kind of partnerships or affinity types of relationships. Agents and brokers are still going to be around and they're still viewed as very valued. And I think the idea is, is that How do we make them even more valuable and make their lives easier that they could easily reach out to their customers and engage them that creates that broader holistic experience? Back to your point about a different kind of uh, view for a younger generation. Absolutely. If you think of carriers that are operating in level one in a current state chaos, and if they have their distribution force having to deal with a lot of manual processes or errors in calculations or old school technology that is preventing them from selling more business, that's a bad place to be. And if you can use technology to automate, enhance that experience and provide them more opportunities to chase new business, to grow their book of business, to earn more compensation, to focus on what the carriers want them to focus on in terms of incentives or or target audiences, that's a win-win for everybody. So if if you don't move out of that, you're you're stuck. And agents and producers aren't going away, to your point. So carriers need to figure out, how do I become really attractive for these producers to do business with? Absolutely. One way I like to wrap up all the podcasts is I like to ask everybody, if you could pick one word to describe the future of insurance, what would that be and why? I had a couple of words picked out, Denise. I guess what it boils down to for me is I was going to start with competitive 
reflect on our conversation today and what we're seeing in the marketplace, I'd actually add hyper to the front of that and say <laughs> hyper competitive. Because I think that the changes that we talked about here, as well as external forces that that don't that we didn't touch on, are going to continue to provide a tremendous amount of pressure on carriers as they go forward. There's going to be a lot of innovation that's going to force disruption. Carriers are gonna to need to become more and more nimble to survive and thrive. And to do that, I was trying to think of words and I just came up with hyper-competitive. So that's that's what I'm gonna stick with. I love it. I love it. It's a, it's a word that hasn't been used yet either. So I love it. <laughs> I win the prize. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Brad, for your time today. It's been a great conversation. And I think uh, a lot of thinking, uh, a lot of information for insurance carriers to begin to kind of think about what do they need to do and where are they on that maturity curve. And I know we're going to be having a lot more conversation around this into the marketplace. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much, Denise, for the opportunity. Great discussion and looking forward to uh, moving forward. Thanks.